long for something. Constructing an identity, trying to find it. Distorting it. When you look, what do you see? Beauty. You think it will lead to what you want most. I see respect. While becoming an imposter to yourself. And blurring the lines of truth. What do you see? Love. You make this imitation your reality. What do you see? But you have to ask yourself. Life. Is what you're seeing real or just a mirage? Look closer. You're trapped in false reality. A scrambled identity you think will lead towards life. It won't. But you can break free. You can choose to turn away. You can choose to run from the mirage. You can choose to find the right path. Just turn away. God is love. God is life. When we choose to live for him, he becomes our identity. He is the way out. His is the path towards light. Morning, guys. So this is a little bit weird for a Sunday morning. There's like as many of us on stage as there is out there. Um, and so we're wrapping up this uh, Bad Ink series, as you see, and um, today we're going to talk about singleness, and um, I thought, who better to have a talk on singleness than the young, hot adult small group from one church, right? That's what they name themselves. So I, I'm going to do something we never do. I never want to make people feel awkward at one church, but these guys don't speak on stage normally. Like, like this, is, this is just people who hang out in my house on Sunday nights, and so they're a little nervous, and this feels a little weird. And if some of you wouldn't mind migrating to this area right here, do you, especially if you have a friendly face, like if you've got one of those hateful faces that won't smile, just stay where you are. But if you have one of those smiling faces and you would Thank come you down guys. Here, Thank you. I know. It really does make us feel better. Here come the happy faces. Like really, it would really help some of them. Like I'm used to talking to the room looking this way, um, but they're not. And so... I know my peeps love being out on the outside edges, so. <laughs> That's hurtful. It's really, really hurtful. <laughs> so, so guys, we have, um, we've spent nine weeks talking about this idea of tattooing, and, and, and we spent four weeks talking about inked, 
Uh, and, and that was the idea that, um, that there, are, there are people from the outside who have tried to tell us who we are and what we are. That idea that, um, uh, that, that you were never going to be good enough, that you were too short, too tall, too fat, too thin, too dumb. Uh, words you've heard in your life like you'll never amount to anything or words like I want a divorce. And those things were permanently written on you. And, and, and when you defined who you were, that's what you looked at. Uh, and, and we spent four weeks talking about the fact that God created you and that God loves you and God chose you and adopted you into his family. And, and, and that if God loves you that much, that, that we even talked about, and, and I think we may cover this later, but that on one of the palms of God's hands that he wrote your name, he tattooed your name on one hand, and on the palm of his other hand, he, he put a picture of you. And that God loves you that much. And so how dare you let some idiot tell you who you are and define what you are. Um, and we've spent the last four weeks in the Bad Ink series talking about what we tell ourselves about ourselves. Uh, and Lauren Casper kicked us off that first week talking about infertility uh, and talking about having to exchange her dreams for God's dreams. Um, and, and, and we've talked about what it is to be a real man of God, not, not the man that the movies tell us, not the man's that sitcoms tell us, but, but the man that God wants us to be, men of character and men of integrity. We talked about what it means to be a real woman. Uh, last week, we, um, we did the Porn Sunday and, and, and talked about those things that we've let get into our heads and those lies we've told ourselves that are destroying us from the inside out. And, and so today, we're going to talk about singleness and, and some of the lies that, that we tell ourselves when we find ourselves older than we thought we'd be and, and we're still not married. Um, and, 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 and so I'm not going to steal that thunder. We're going to, uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to start over here with the lovely and talented Mr. Ma Michael Lardizabal and, and let him just kind of, who you are, name, um, this, this is just the intro This is part. just a quick intro. Okay, this isn't like the, the real stuff. No, 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 this isn't like your real okay. deal question. Okay, I got excited. <laughs> so I just, I just, I want you guys to know kind of who we are and, and what our ages are and you don't have to know my age because I'm married, but what, what our ages are and... Sorry, I didn't mean that like in a bad way, but I want you to kind of know, mm. I want you to know why some of these people have the right to talk on this conversation, so. Well, hello, I'm Michael Lardizabal. I'm a worship pastor and, and college guy here. Um, I'm 24 years old, and I love coffee. Yay. Thank you, thank you. You have to share your microphone. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to share it with me. Yay. Hold on. <laughs> Hi, I'm Cheryl Mack. I am 26. Um, I'm one of the student pastors here, and I also love coffee. And, um, and I am proud to say that I was one of the people that coined the name Young Hot Adult Small Group, so you're welcome. <laughs> hey, guys. My name is Hannah Apple. I'm 24 years old. Um, I do help out with Wednesday night's remix. That's really awesome and rewarding. And um, I don't like coffee, but I like espresso. Preferably blended? I don't know, so. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ashley Van Sickle. I am 28, and I am a third grade teacher. I volunteer here. Um, I greet every other Sunday morning, and I also love coffee. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rhonda Ramsey. I am not single. I am a... So don't be looking. <laughs> I'm married to Luther. And I'm much older than they are. I'm 42. And I'm a mom, a wife, and a kindergarten teacher. 
My name's Luther, and I'm 43, and I like uh, long walks on the beach, and I'm a Sagittarius, and yeah, I can't finish. Uh, my, normal, my normal welcome, I was told I can't do today, so uh, that's just all you got from me, so go ahead. My name is Katie Matthews. I'm uh, not really a big coffee fan, and I literally have about a million jobs, and this is my platonic significant other that I'll tell you about later. <laughs> She didn't say her age. 26. <laughs> I'm Kelly Mack. I'm 23, I think. Yeah, 23. Um, <laughs> I volunteer on Wednesday nights for Remix. I'm a ninth and 10th grade small group leader. And I don't like coffee, but I graduate from nursing school in December. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, my name's Dave. I, I had a joke, but I decided to hold it in. Um, <laughs> I, I'm one of the student pastors here at One Church, and uh, I'm turning 26 next month. Uh, besides that, I don't really have anything exciting. I'm the closest to not being single out of the group here. Um, I get married a year from now, actually, so next May. All right, well, cool. So what we're going to kind of do, guys, and like I said, this is a lot. If, if this is your first time with us, this is not what a normal Sunday morning looks like. At one church, normally we have a professional or a great communicator up here, and these guys are going to be great communicators because we're just going to have conversations this morning. Um, and so uh, we, we've met in the hallway, and we've talked, and we've prayed, and uh, our goal is that um, through our vulnerability this morning and through our transparency, um, that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And, and if you're here today and you're married, I don't want you to think that you can just check out and this conversation doesn't apply to you. Uh, I want to be honest... The, the talk that we've had probably in the last eight weeks that has resonated with more of the guys in my group, and I mean guys, like 25 to 30-year-old men, was the talk on infertility. Um, and, and none of those guys were struggling with infertility that they know of, but what they are struggling with is they have hopes and dreams, um, and, and God's plan for their life isn't lining up with what they thought it would be, um, and, and that God really spoke to them that week. And so our prayer this morning is that um, some of the journeys that, that, that our group is on may be a little different than yours, but the, the truth of what God wants to do in your life and the truth of God defining you uh, is true for all of us in the room. Um, and so we're gonna kind of, uh, I'm gonna put up our big idea for this morning because it's going to kind of walk us through the whole morning um, that God is a good father who only gives good gifts to his children. Um, and, and, and you can kind of take that from Matthew seven eleven, and it's not on the screen, I'm just gonna read it. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And, 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 and we've decided that for those of us up here that, that would like to be married and that God's put that desire in their hearts is that God has a good gift for them. Um, but on the transverse of that, that the person they're going to marry, also God has a good gift for. Um, and so... Some of the things that we're doing in our lives and a lot of the things we talk about in our group on Sunday nights is, is kind of that journey of, of these young men and women becoming a good gift for their future spouse, um, becoming a man or a woman who knows how to seek God first, um, becoming a man or a woman who, you know, quite honestly, everything from, from getting out of debt to, to being in good physical shape all the way through to um, being equipped to be the spiritual leader of a home and, and, and being a woman who, who fears and loves God and um, th that if we're praying for a spouse and, and we believe that God wants to give that spouse a good gift, 
that we need to become that good gift and pray that God is changing that other person. And so our timing may not have lined up yet with God's timing because we may not yet be that good gift and our good gift may not be quite ready for us. And so I just want you to kind of keep that in your mind as we talk through today uh, where we're going and, and the different struggles and the things that are going on in our lives um, that, that we, are, we, are, we are all struggling to get the lies out of our head that we've told ourselves because of our current season so that we can become, we can become good gifts. So, uh, Gary, go on and pull up our, we're going to have some fun pictures. This is the kind of junk that swims around on our Facebook page. We have a closed Facebook page. And so, yeah, it's PG. And so, that awkward moment when deer have a better love life than you. Mm. Welcome to single life. So, by a show of hands, who in the room is single? All right, let me, who in the room is single and over 18? All right, y'all look around. Everybody look around. Look around, look around. All right, all right. It's a public service announcement. All right, so, Michael, you willing to uh, fire us off this morning? I'm gonna fire us off All right. I showed how I cared about you by reciprocating the exact way you said things. Um, So, (laughs) this is a little bit of what group looks like. Um, so for me, kind of one of the big, big lies that I, that I always had, like, I'm going to go back a little bit. I, I've been a hopeless romantic since birth. Like, I never, ever, ever wanted to date just to date. Uh, I was like, I was like five years old, four years old, and I was like, I can't wait to be married one day. <laughs> Maybe it's the artsy, creative side of me being a musician and all, but that's just how it is. Um, so I didn't really get into a real relationship until uh, college. I stayed single all throughout middle and high school because... I just knew that I didn't see a real future with anyone. So uh, the, the big lie that, and we'll get back to that, is that uh, good intent is enough. One, in thinking that you're going to be married, or two, that you're going to be the person that you need to be to be married. Um, and so for me, that was, that was something I really had to realize. I'm going to read us a, a little verse, uh, or a couple verses real quick. And so the first section of this is what you see on a lot of, like, refrigerator magnets and bumper stickers or, the, or t-shirts or whatever. And so you may have heard it before, but it's 1 Corinthians 13, starting at 4, and it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So this is awesome, but it doesn't stop here. And for me in the past, it did, uh, because it meant uh, to me that if I loved someone enough and I acted in these ways and did all these things, like love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. In my mind, that meant if I work hard enough at this and I'm with this person, we will be married, like, because at the time, we, you know, did love each other and we did care for each other. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and read to the next part. The next part says, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. I'm like, oh, cool. That, you know, that still fits what I was saying, right? Uh, but then it says this. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. So for me, uh, the moment I saw something good that I was like, 
this must be like my wife. Like this is going to be who I marry. I was wrong <laughs> because obviously I'm not married right now. <laughs> um, but the thing is, we assumed we were going to be married because we had pretty good heads on our shoulders. We were pretty smart individuals. We were in this not just to date. Her parents, my parents, all of our friends, all of, all of our people, we had, we had couples that were like, wow, you guys do things in a really healthy way. Like, I want to have that. And these were people that were married. And so we were just like, well, look at us. Like, we must get married because we're super awesome. <laughs> and the thing is, um, we, you know, we assumed, and so we rushed things. Um, boundaries that we shouldn't have crossed, we crossed. And then I realized that that same, that same idea of, you know, what we can prophesy, what we can imagine and see the future of is very so small. God knows, but we don't really know. Um, and so I learned the hard way that you're not married until you're married. Um, and so um, for me, that's something that kind of creeped into to all areas of my life. And I realized that it's, it's just like, you know, when I w- was looking to lose weight and I would start working out, I was working out way harder, way more intense than I was ready for because I was like, I'm just ready to see the version of me that's healthier. So I'm going to run like 12 miles today and then ended up hurting myself. And, but anyways, just I guess that idea of that. And then um, the good intent is enough in terms of staying in a healthy relationship. A lot of times we just leave it up to chance and we're like, cool, we have great feelings for each other. We're enjoying this. This is awesome. And we don't really have to work at it. But the thing is, like, after that first stage, I realized, like, if you don't learn to speak how the other person feels and receives love, uh, and also you don't set up healthy boundaries in your, in your life, then you're, you're just susceptible to, you know, to attacks and to, to, to falling. And, um, so for me, that's the big thing is that I want my actions to be purposeful and intentional, um, and I don't want to rush God. And so that's kind of what I learned. You know, one of the ideas we talk a lot, is came out of it. We spent the month of January talking about relationships uh, in our group. And uh, one, of, one of the things that came out of a talk that we watched together was uh, when it comes to physical relationships outside of marriage, it's not how far we can go, but when we can start. Uh, and the when we can start is after you both say, I do. Um, and it's, 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 it's not where is the line, it's the fact that there is a line. And, and so we've talked a lot about the fact that, that as soon as you cross that line from, from love, getting to know someone emotionally and, and our personalities, and as soon as you add that component of physical touch to a relationship, it changes what you have to do to feel complete and to feel in love. And it replaces all that emotional int- intimacy that you should be chasing after before you say, I do. Um, and so they're probably all tired of hearing me say this, but it's the, re- the recurring theme and the thing we talk about so much is, uh, and, and it's really where, you know, I, I know your story and we've talked a lot about it, was that you felt like you were going to get married, so you started acting married. Um, and, and it really comes down to, you're not married, do you both say I do? So. Hey. So. I'm going to talk about some of my principles in a minute, but for this topic, uh, I'm basically starting over in purity, and I've started a new relationship, and there have been times where I've been, I could have crossed boundaries. Instead, I, I texted Luther, and I was mad about the fact that I was mature, and then negated that fact. <laughs> and then the first thing I did this morning was come to someone who I know was already walking that path, starting over, headed towards marriage, and I think the biggest thing we can do is hold each other accountable. And it's harder for us that have already crossed those lines because we know what it can feel like. We know what we want, but we also know the devastating impact of it. 
So I think the biggest thing is just leaning on each other here. That's what's up. Well, I can just take off from that because that kind of led right into my the big lie that I believed for a while. Um, as a lot of you guys know, and some of you guys are guessing you don't know me yet, I've only been a Christian for about three years. It'll be August 14th, uh, 2011 was the day I accepted Christ as my Savior. And the big lie that I believed was because most of my adult life was lived as a non-Christian, that means my relationships were not Christ-centered. Um, and uh, so because I had lived through that for you know a while, as I came into Christianity, the, it's really a two-part lie. The first lie I believed was that, you know, purity was ultimately just for kids. Uh, that, that basically, you know, uh, purity was really because kids don't have the, the maturity, the, you know, the responsibility, the ability to, you know, deal with what comes with, uh, uh, with not being pure. And, and so the first lie I, I believed was that I could just continue living the way that I had lived before coming to Christ. And, uh, it wasn't very long uh, that it took me to realize that that obviously was not the case. Um, uh, in fact, it was one of the best quotes I ever heard was, nobody ever, um, how did it work? Uh, nobody ever regretted being pure. And, and it took me a minute, and it finally kind of kicked in that all these other relationships I had, all, everything that I've been through, the regrets always was based around that one issue. And um, however, although I realized that there was a need to stop, you know, stop living that lifestyle. The second lie that I believed um, was basically, it was, it was really based around guilt and shame, but that I deserved to continue living that lifestyle. Uh, that because I had messed up and because I had already thrown myself away and broken myself, um, that basically it's what I deserved, that I, I had to continue living that lifestyle and I had to continue living that brokenness and that sense of uh, just throwing myself away, that there was no way I could change. And uh, that because I was broken, I just had to stay broken. Uh, I thoroughly believed that Christ came and died for me, that he came and lived a perfect life, um, died the death that I should have died, and so I could be right with him and I could have forgiveness from him. But I did not believe that he came to put me back together. Um, and it wasn't until June 17th of last year that I was reading, let me just pull up the Bible verse real quick. I was reading in John 10.10, 10, and I, I read, uh, it's a uh, version of the Bible called The Message. Uh, if anybody has a like, hard time understanding the Bible, I recommend reading this. It's, it's a very, you know, it's fun. It's kind of, uh, what, ebonic <laughs> in, a, in a way. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but... What I love is John 10, 10. It says, a thief is only here to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. You see, I was living life. I accepted that Christ came and he died and he gave me life, but I was not accepting the fact that he came to give me more and better life than I had ever dreamed of. I, I came to the realization that I had given... Christ part of my life. I'd given him the part that I wanted forgiveness for, but I never gave him the pieces for him to put back together. And June 17th of last year was the day that I decided that I could be pure again. And I set me on a very long uh, journey, which Luther and, and this small group has been detrimental 
for. Um, you know, I started my relationship with Brittany, and the first thing I did was... I think instrumental was the word you were looking yeah, for. Yeah, you don't want to use detrimental. Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. I, I can't... Th- this is off notes. I, I, I can't do improv. Um, siblings. That's an inside joke. Words are hard. <laughs> uh, words are hard. So, Luther, the first thing I did whenever I realized that this was the lifestyle I wanted to live, and I found the woman, not really found, it was literally shortly after I made this decision that God sent me the woman. It goes back to the being a good gift. I was not a good gift yet, and I'm not saying that I'm a great gift now, but, um, I mean, come on. I mean, look Uh, at you. You're pretty hot. (laughs) Uh, But no, I had to realize that I was not a good gift, and God was starting me down the path of becoming a good gift, and the first thing I did was go to Luther, and I just said, I don't know how to do this. Um, I've never done a Christ-centered relationship before, and I tell you, it's they're right. You will never regret being pure. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, I, as you were talking, I think of the, the passage in John 8 where um, the, the, the men bring this woman who's been caught in adultery and they throw her down in front of Jesus. And, um, and they're like, come on, let's stone her. Jesus, pick up a rock and stone her. And, and Jesus begins to write in the sand. And he, he says, you know, if none of you have sinned, then sure, go ahead, pick up a rock and, and hit her with it. And um, and he draws in the sand again, and the men drop their rocks and walk off, and Jesus looks up to the woman, and, and she's standing there, and he says, well, did, did anyone condemn you? And she went, no. And he says, well, neither do I. Now go and don't sin anymore. And, 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 and so if Jesus had this woman in front of him, and he was the only, by the way, he was the only one there who had the right to pick up a stone and stone her, and, and he didn't, and he said, I choose to forgive you, and I choose to redeem you, and I choose to say that you were whole and complete and you can be pure again and now go live the life that free of all that shame and free of all the things that you showed up here with that were lies and are not true about you anymore because you're a new woman and a new person. Uh, and, and so that's letting go of one of those lies. You know, we, going back to week one of this, the lies that swim around in our heads that until we say them out loud, a lot of times we don't hear them and believe they're true. Gary, give us another picture or two. Let's have a little laugh. Oh, this is one of our favorites. <laughs> That's terrible. This has been on our Facebook group page a few times. Uh, it's an oldie but a goodie. All right, let's take that down so people can come back to life. That's creepy. All right, anybody else open for a, t- for a topic? Who's up? I will. Um, my lie that I, <laughs> okay, funny thing. This group has probably seen me cry more than anyone in the entire world. Thank the Lord that Luther didn't bring the recliner, which is coined the crying chair, because we even got Brittany Hickey to cry in it, which is hard. Um, but So if I cry, I'm sorry. It's kind of what I tend to do, um, especially because my... Look, I'm going to start crying already. Uh, my topic is very, it's very hard for me because um, I've never been in a serious relationship where I haven't been cheated on, and... Uh, Madison up here has also seen me cry quite a few times. Um, So the lie that I've placed on myself for my singleness is that I'm not worth it. I'm not worth the time and the effort. And then, gosh, (laughs) the lie that others have placed on me is that I'm not worth being faithful to. Um, Basically, it has just felt like that every time someone has cheated on me, that they've just gone ahead and written in permanent marker on my forehead that I'm not, I'm not worth being faithful to. They don't see me as being faithful to. 
was so determined to not cry. It's all right. Um, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I told Luther is that even though the lie that I've been told is that I'm not worth being faithful to and that I'm not worth the time and the effort, the truth is that they aren't worth me. Um, I I am becoming a great gift to give to someone, and the truth is that they weren't a good enough gift for me to have. And the verse that just, I was really trying to not use this verse because it's so cliche, and it's just, it's even, you know, people who have never read the Bible can probably quote this verse, but it just kept coming into my head is John 3.16. What's a better way to describe your worth than that Jesus loved you so much that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And to me, again, I was trying everything that I could to not use that verse because it's just a verse that people pull out of the air sometimes just when they need one, you know, hey, I'm a Christian, John three sixteen. 16. Um, but everything that I had was just telling me that that was the verse that I needed to go to. And we talked about it one Wednesday night. Dave mentioned so loved, the part of that verse that God so loved. And it doesn't even have to be God so loved the world, God so loved anything. It's God so loved Kelly that he sent his only son for me and God so loved everyone in this room. And the worth that someone puts me as, such as not being worth being faithful to, that doesn't matter because the worth that they put on me is nothing compared to someone sending their their son so that I don't have to go to hell one day for all the sins that I've put out there for feeling worthless. And Luther said, uh, after I sent him my lie, he posted on the Facebook page, wonderfully and beautifully made. And it's, it's, it's true. I mean, we are, we're actually terribly, you know, out here, but we were beautifully and wonderfully made and we are worth it. And that is my biggest struggle is feeling not worth it, not good enough, not just not. And I told him simply, it's I'm not worth it. You're absolutely worth it. And you know, that verse comes from Psalms 139 and it says that you are, um, you are uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, that there was a moment before the beginning of time that, that God turned to Jesus and said, I have a plan and I need there to be a Kelly for this plan to work. And so Jesus, here's, here's the plans. Here's the blueprints of what Kelly's gonna be. Here, here's the things that are gonna provide joy to the world because Kelly exists. And, and, and here are the people who are gonna see, see me because Kelly exists. And so Jesus took nothing and formed it together and, and breathed life into it and went, and launched Kelly out into the time that she would be born. And, and he turned back to God and he said, look what we did. Like, look what we made. Like, we did that. And, and, and yet we look in the mirror and we feel imperfect and broken. And yet before the beginning of anything that we've ever seen, God drew out a blueprint and Jesus took the time to form you with his very own hands and, and breathe life in you. How, how do we accept the message of some idiot who couldn't decide to be faithful to you, who, had no, who didn't have a good gift, that we let that person write on us as opposed to the God who created us and took time to form us? So, hey, um, Luther, real quick. Um, I hope you don't mind 
me saying this and putting you on blast, kind of. But Kelly's my sister, and um, so you know I've known her her like. whole life. And um, the greater part of her teenage years into adulthood, um, I mean, probably from the time she was thirteen to, you know, just I guess uh, just within the last few months, um, I could probably count on uh, count on both hands the amount of months I guess that she has been not in a relationship. She's gorgeous. Guys, they want her. She's beautiful. And um, and so she, it's, you know, it was like she gets out of a relationship, there's another guy that's pursuing her. And um, she has done more with her single life over the last, like, few months. Um, huge things, huge things. Like, she has matured um, incredibly uh, in the past few months. And so I've, you know, it's been a wonderful pleasure to be able to watch her grow and like I said she's doing so many big things by herself I don't want her to ever you know uh, maybe find a find a you don't need no man you don't need no man (laughs) but yeah no I just wanted to throw that in there Anna why don't you we're gonna do the speed 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 round now so okay um my lie would be um I really don't Excuse me. Oh, okay. My lie would be, I don't really know how to say it, but like when someone comes up to you and they're like, hey, I'm in a relationship. And your first response is like, oh my God, shut up. And then immediately like you come up and I'm like, I hate you. Hey, like, Gary, can you put up the Christmas picture? That immediate. Yes, that is me. It's terrible. Look, look all the way to the left. <laughs> all the way to the left in the red yes. sweater vest yes. or the red. Yeah. Yes. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's been really hard. That has been really, really hard. Um, I mean, I'm not really where I saw myself at 24 years old. And so it's like, it's not bad, but it's not where I would like to have been. And so, um, just dealing with that. And, um, I don't really have a Bible verse, so I apologize, but it was probably about four real. months ago. One of my really good friends came up to me and she was like, hey, I met somebody. And she was like so excited. And it just came up like just out of nowhere. And I like really struggled with that because I was like, I cannot do this. Like I am not going to jeopardize someone who means so much to me and so much value. And just, like I have so much honor and respect for in my life because I'm jealous because it's not about me. And so just really putting myself down and just seeing them and being like celebrating them and being excited for them. And it's about them. It's not about me. It's about their relationship because I know they'll be excited for me whenever I'm like, Oh my God, I met somebody, you know, it's, I don't know. It's been a huge struggle, but it's, it's been really crazy the way, like how I was like eight months ago till the middle four. And then this four months, like it's, I don't know. It's crazy. You know, change. it's you know, we all battle with you know jealousy and coveting, and it's the reason that's one of the Ten Commandments, and God talks about it, um, is because. And there's almost this thought when you're single, when someone else gets married, that it's like, oh, there's one less in the pond. You know, what am I going to choose from now? And uh, I mean, right? <laughs> and so uh, there's a great verse in Psalms 37. It says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." And and. And, and one of the things that's cool for all of, all of all the single ladies to remember is that um, the desire to be married is one that God gave you. All the single ladies. Um, no. And, yeah, all the single fellas. Uh, but no, really, but that desire is God-given, and it is a good thing. God gives us a lot of desires for things that he doesn't necessarily give us the object of the desire immediately. Um, and, and, you know, we talked about being that good gift. And so don't, 
don't settle, don't run ahead of God, don't, don't take something, don't lower your standards to take something that's not a good gift because the object of your desire has not shown up. Validate the desire, acknowledge the desire, acknowledge the fact that there are days that are lonely and hard, um, but, but that, you know, these these people and about 20 others who were on vacation or just didn't want to come up here because uh, they're shy, um, you know, hang out in, in, at our house on Sunday nights and, and they encourage each other. And, you know, I, I see group text messages or Facebook posts and, and I know that there's times when one of them just hangs out with another one because they're struggling, you know. And so they have found people to bring around them who, who want the best for them. Accountability and chicken. Accountability chicken. Yeah. So <laughs> You up to no good. Yeah. So... Cheryl, quickly. I can share my lies. I've got two lies um, that I want to touch on real fast. It's a lie I've told myself and a lie that other people have told me. Um, I know at a time where all of my friends were getting into relationships, and for the greater part of my, you know, 19 to 26, um, I've not been in relationships, a few dates here or there, um, but absolutely nothing serious. Um, And it it wasn't until probably just you know, last week, I think I was driving and I just, I know that, like, I just thought, I'm really glad that I've been single this, you know, like, it's just, I've learned so much about me. Um, and the, the lie that I've heard from other people and it's, it's, I don't know, it really resonated with me because it wasn't something that was, you know, they, they showed me with their actions, but, um, I've had friends tell me that I wasn't in a relationship because my standards were too high. Um, and so it kind of was playing off of what Luther just said, and that just, that rocked my world. Um, and it really made me think, you know, am I, am I aiming too high? I mean, really, the, the thing that I wanted, I wanted a man that loved, loved me like Jesus loved the church. And that's not, you know, that's, that's the standard you want. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the verse that just kept coming to me was in Hebrews 12. And you know, it talks about setting our eyes on Jesus. Um, you know, that, Jesus set the standard, he set the standard, like that's, you know, that's something that, and I don't want to settle for anything less than that, um, and I'm not, I'm not going to, um, but the lie that I've told myself, um, and I've seen this through actions of other people, um, you know, one of the, uh, whatever, guys I was dating really made it clear to me that, um, that when uh, he decided that we were going to quit dating because um, he found another woman more attractive, um, was that I wasn't pretty enough, and that's, um, Sometimes it hurts to look in the mirror. Sometimes it does. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing uh, into, um, you know, this woman that finds herself beautiful. I mean, we were at the pool the other day, and I struggled with being in a bathing suit. Like, that really bothered me. And, it, you know, and this is something. So I'm still working through that. Um, I do have a verse, and I want to be able to read it. The you know so we're, I'm not messing this up. Um, no, no, that's not what I want to do. I'm sorry. All right. Psalms forty five eleven says your beauty will make the king desire you. He is your master, so you must obey him. Um, another version of that says that the king is enthralled with your beauty. And I looked up the definition for enthralled because I love that word. Um, and it's. The definition of enthrall is capture the fascinated attention of. Um, and I don't know, it just blows my mind that Jesus is captured with the fascination of me. 
and that's something that I'm, I'm learning and I'm, I'm growing into. And sometimes I don't believe it. Sometimes, I mean, I'm still, I still struggle with that. I think I'm, I'm going to be struggling with it for a long time. But that's something that, um, that God's really teaching me and really revealing um, himself to me through that is that he's, he made me and he doesn't make junk. He just doesn't. I'm pretty. All right. Um, the lie that I, I used to struggle with and I feel like the world kind of tells me is that you can't have a happy and fulfilled life as a single that life basically starts when you're married. Um, so that's something that I struggled with for a while, but um, just trusting and knowing that God has a plan for me and that what he has is far better than anything that I could imagine. And I have, I mean, there's so many opportunities and things that I've gotten to do as a single that I know if I were married, I would not have been able to do. So I feel um, really blessed for that. And my verse that goes with it is just Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So just um, surrendering that trust to him and knowing um, just to trust as well in what he has planned for my life. Katie, we're going to do the quick abbreviated version. Okay, short and quick. I struggle with abandonment. I thought I had found my forever, and what I've realized, my forever is being a daughter of Christ and an honorary Ramsey. Uh, (laughs) If I could write all these kids off on my taxes, they eat my food, they walk into my house all the time. The biggest thing for me is uh, applying the sermons and applying small groups in my life, not just listening, but actually applying them. One sermon, I liked it so much, I actually asked Chris to email it to me. It was the silent night one. Uh, night one. Uh, never to confuse God's silence with God's absence. That person may abandon me. That situation may not work out, but Christ is always there. And everything that's happened in the last year and a half has led me to this point where I'm doing great things with that pain. Uh, and a few uh, things I've applied from the sermons and group is to make God everything. Luther said in January when we were having discussions when I needed it most, was if a person's your everything and you lose them, you've lost everything. If God is your everything and you lose a person, you still have everything. So that's something, initially I wanted to pursue it because it was a nice way to avoid pain, but I pursued Christ until he was my everything. And I try to make uh, make Christ evident in all that I do. I fail in a lot of ways, but doing better. And he asked us shortly after that, if God never gave us a spouse, would he be enough? And initially the answer was no. But through pursuing Christ and putting him first, the answer is yes. Sometimes I get lonely, and I'm interested in my new situation now, but ultimately I'm fulfilled in the Lord, I'm fulfilled in my work, and I'm fulfilled in my fellowship. And having a platonic significant other is something else we talked about. <laughs> this is one of them. Um, <laughs> in a relationship, if one person is everything, it's, it's too much. You need to divide yourself first among the Lord and then among others. You, know, if you pour everything out to one person, it's too much, and their cracks are going to start to show. And then just holding myself accountable and, and making Christ evident in my new situation. Like the first thing I did this morning was come to talk to someone who's already dealt with my current problem. So just chasing the Lord, making him a priority, and holding myself accountable. You've all been wonderful lessons. Cool. Guys, can you give it up for these folks? You know, this is a huge step. If you're not used to walking out on this stage and communicating to a room full of people and and being vulnerable and talking about the things that are fears and, and, and the things that, quite honestly, a lot of us don't want to talk about. Like, it was huge for these folks to come up here today. And uh, I want you to know they're doing it because uh, for a lot of them, you know, Kelly went on a man fast with a couple other ladies in the group. And, you know, and, and it has changed her life because she stopped letting relationships define her. 
and she's letting Jesus define her. And so, but that came out of the fact that she was willing to get into a group and surround herself with some men and women who were moving in the same direction that she wanted to go and allow those people to speak into her lives instead of friends who have completely different goals uh, to have an opportunity to speak into our lives. So my good friend, my pastor, Chris, is going to kind of just put a bow on this nine weeks. We're going to sit here and watch. Um, I'll tell you this. One of the things we've been talking about over the past nine weeks, and there's been a pervasive theme, and it's the theme of identity and lies. Uh, This is something we said at the very beginning, but a lie believed to be true will affect you just as it's, it's truth. So as you've heard some of the lies that some of the men and women up here today, some of them, even though you may not, you may not be single here sitting there today, all of us have believed lies. All of us have believed things in such a way that it has affected us as if it were true. And the one thing we really want you to unpack is we started this series is first talking about how God views us. And we looked a lot in Ephesians, and I just my challenge for you today is um, just this week to be able to read through this little small letter. It's six chapters. There's seven uh, days in the week. You see, how I did that. I did that with even out taking off my shoes. But um, you can you can read a chapter a day and still have a break. Um, but I would encourage you just as you're reading that, view it as how God sees you. Because a lie believed to be true will affect you as if it were true. So um, as we close today, I just want to say this is a, a, a great time for you to be able to come to know Jesus Christ. Because some of you, you've been bumped out of church for so long, you may have just got, a, got out because of a relational issue or maybe a belief issue. Somebody treated you wrong. And you kind of, you took their words, you took their glance, you took their judgmental stares, and you allowed that to identify you. And know this, that whatever maybe bad experience you've had with religion, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, accepts you just as you are because of Jesus Christ, because of what he did on the cross. He died for all of your junk and all of my junk. So I would just encourage you today, don't leave here today without first talking with me or any, anybody up on stage, and they can be able to point you towards Jesus Christ because that is where our identity, that is where our hope, that is where um, goodness comes from. You saw the big idea. Put that up there if you wouldn't mind again, Gary. The big idea is this. God is a good father who only gives what? Good gifts to his children. God wants to give you a good gift this morning, but you have to first become his child. And you do that by asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to cleanse you and forgive you of all of your sins. And you say that I trust and I believe in you. Somebody earlier uh, up here quoted John 3.16, the so loves. Was that you? Okay, what do you go, Cal? The so loves. And that God not just loves the world, but God loves you. That God loves Michelle and Nikki, and Eric, and Laurie, and Kevin, and Lisa, and all of these people who are here today, and even the people who aren't yet here.